Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do today. Today, my guest is Brandon Sugiyama. He was the lead animator on the Emmy Award-winning Netflix show Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj and a 2017 fellow of the Tao Knight Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism at Sunny. His resume includes more than a decade of experience with revered agencies, including Big Star, Framestore, and Eyeball. He was my professor of motion media. Hi, professor. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nancy. Thank you for uh, having me. Well, I really appreciate you speaking with me today and sharing your expertise in motion media. And for those listeners who might not be familiar with motion media, could you explain what that field is? Sure. So when you when you say uh, your listeners who don't know what motion media is, I'm guessing that's probably all of them, unless they're a motion media designer. Um, so motion media design, it's uh, it's also known as motion design, motion graphics, and motion graphic design. So I think when people hear motion graphic design, that gives them maybe perhaps a clearer idea of what it is. It's it's the principles and and techniques of graphic design in motion. So it's uh, anything applied to uh, time-based media, that would be film, television, and video. And it borrows those concepts and techniques of, of typography, color, composition, communication, uh, applied to yeah, video, television, and film. And it's something that I think a lot of people are exposed to probably daily, but they just don't know what it is. So if you're watching uh, your favorite film, let's say a Marvel film, and there's that introduction where you see the Hulk and Thor and uh, Black Panther, and then it starts, Mar uh, you know, Marvel Avengers at the end, that's motion media design. If uh, when you fire up Netflix and you hear that dun dun and the N animates on and you fly through the Netflix logo, that's also, also motion media design. So it's something you see all the time, all the time. Wow. Well, it was so um, amazing, like the um, just the different examples that you provided us with. And I thought like, wow, I had really no idea how, um, like you said, it's there every day when I go on YouTube, if I watch that, you know, a commercial or anything and how I just didn't know that was called motion media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you've seen it all the time. And uh, but now that I think all of your listeners know what motion media design is, you can't unsee it. You know, if you if you pick up your phone and you push a button for uh, your favorite app and there's a little loading screen with the logo animating, you know, that's motion media design. As you said, anytime you tune into YouTube and there's a commercial playing before, if there's a, a little uh, text flying on screen or a little animated story, you might think, oh, is that is that a cartoon or animation? A lot of times it's it's motion media. Wow. So how did you get interested in the field? Uh, so let's see. I grew up loving like drawing and painting and photography. And, and back then we would call it commercial art, like silk screening and printmaking. And then when I went to college my first time around when I was 18, I kind of let go of all of that. And I, I, I pursued other things. And kind of throughout my 20s, I was a little bit stumbling around. I didn't have a lot of direction as far as what my career aspirations were. And um, when I got to about 30 years old, I just felt like I wanted some sort of a change. Um, I just didn't know what to do. 
So I really spent a lot of time thinking about what kind of career I would like to pursue. And the thing that keep, kept coming up was how much I enjoyed those creative pursuits when I was like, when I was younger. And I started looking into programs, you know, college uh, programs, um, anything design or art, they all needed a portfolio, you know, then mm -hmm. I thought there were maybe some extension programs for web design, you know, this was like mid 2000s, maybe that was an opportunity. And then there was a small uh, digital arts college for profit school um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I was living, and mm -hmm. some friends had gone there for sound design. And I thought, okay, well, I know they have these other programs, let me go check it out. So I scheduled an appointment um, to go to the campus and met with an admissions advisor. And she showed me around the campus. It was very impressive. And uh, they had a, a visual effects and animation department. They had a sound design program. And then they had a motion graphic design program. And I really did not know what that was at all uh, before I went to, to, to visit the campus. And she showed me kind of the demo reel of all the student work. And when I saw it, I was just like so curious and excited about what I was seeing. I was like, I don't know what this is called. I don't know how this was made, but something about it really spoke to me because it looked like music videos that I loved. It, it had elements of cinematography and it was edited, edited to music. And some of it was abstract, kind of like video art. Some of it was like the stuff that I saw projected on the walls of like concerts and clubs and, and raves that I was going to at the time. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And like uh, within the next month, I think I decided to, to go back to school and enroll in the motion graphic design program. And that was it. Wow. So it was just the right timing and seeing everything come together. Yeah. Yeah. Right timing, right time, right place. Um, I was looking for opportunities. I was very curious, um, but it just kind of, kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. Wow. And it was such a good choice because you've had such a long storied career and a business over a decade, I believe, yeah. and you had yeah. your um, freelance business. And I, an apologist, this is a question that was not originally in my list. Um, could you go into a little bit about the differences for the audience about, okay, because you've not only worked in-house, mm -hmm. but you've also run a business as a motion media designer. So is there much of a difference between the two? Or I guess... Um, I'm trying to figure out like, uh, like, I guess maybe a little bit of the pros and cons to either or. Mm -hmm. Let's see. So I've really only worked like in-house full-time as a motion designer, uh, pretty much twice. So the first mm -hmm. job I got out of college, very small, um, motion design company in the San Francisco Bay area. And when I say small, I mean, very small. There were mm -hmm. days where it was myself, the creative director and the producer. <laughs> that, that was, that was it. <laughs> Um, okay, so the, the main differences are, well, let's go over like just like the technical stuff, you know, when you're hired full time, you're an employee of, of another company, and you get a regular paycheck, and perhaps you get some benefits, and you have regular hours, and you have one place you go to, you know, Monday through Friday. Uh, when you're freelancing, um, there are different types of freelancing, or different types of having your own uh, freelance business. Uh, but the main differences are, um, 
you have to find the work yourself. Mm -hmm. You are then a contract worker. You know, you're working with a 1099, not a W-2. Um, your paychecks, quote unquote, uh, you have to invoice for. Those do not come in regularly. Um, there is a bit more uh, paperwork you have to do around tax time. Um, uh, you know, there are no benefits. You have to take care of your own health care. So those are, the, those are the big technical things. And then there are different types of having your own freelance business. One uh, would be where you work directly with the clients, meaning, you know, perhaps some company wants to do uh, uh, make a small commercial and they need some graphics. And then I would work with them directly to produce that for them. The other type of, of freelancing, which is what I did mostly, is, is very, very common in this industry and in some other industries. And that is a lot of motion design studios, they um, you know, get these contracts for, for larger projects, but those contracts, um, their needs as far as staffing go up and down, and those might be of a cyclical nature. So when they get a big project, they will hire up, they will build up their team uh, with freelancers such as myself. And then when they have fewer projects, they will uh, you know, scale down. So a lot of my freelancing was uh, as I was contracted by a company. And during that time, I did have pretty regular hours and I did go into an office and I did work with the team, but that may last a couple of days. It may last a couple of months. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of the, the overview of the difference between being full-time and freelance and basically those two types of, of having a freelance business. Oh, okay. Thank you for explaining that. Cause I wasn't sure how that worked for motion media designers. It feels mm -hmm. like um, there would be lots of potential in either or whether it's in house or being freelance, especially freelance. I feel like, you know, that's something more and more um, job postings that I see mm -hmm. they're looking for motion media designers. And um, so that's really um, interesting to hear that's both options. Can I ask you though, in Patriot Act, that was six seasons. So would that have been one of those things that you had to, they built the team and then you guys would work the season and then you get a little bit of time off? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so Patriot Act, I was there for just under a year and a half. And um, uh, yes, the short answer is yes. So they had kind of their core team uh, not just motion designers, but the entire staff, oh. but particularly the motion design team. We had our core team. And then after every season, people had the option. Would you like to stay? Would you, you know, or would you like to leave? And depending on that, we, we would bring in other people. In addition to that, each season, I think after starting or starting the second or third season, uh, we had this idea to bring in a new episode lead for each season, basically an art director. And that would bring in fresh new ideas, um, a new energy. Um, yeah, and, and so then there was a, a bit of uh, uh, some changes in our, in our team throughout those six seasons. Wow, that's a lot of episodes in one year. It, it's a ton, yeah, it was a ton. It was very, very, it was wow. very, very fast paced. Probably the fastest paced prolonged project I've ever worked on. Wow. So your team that you guys had built was probably very integral in getting those episodes. Like you guys probably could almost like, you know, like they say, finish each other's sentences, like finish each other's yeah. motion design in a way. Yeah. yeah. Our, our team, I mean, it's, it's, it will go down as probably 
the best team I've ever worked on as far as motion yeah. design. It was just one, we were all friends and everybody was just a, a joy to be around every day. And then two, everybody had kind of their own superpower, but then we all had a lot of shared skills and, you know, literally we could hand off projects back and forth. We could jump into each other's um, um, projects to help out and bounce around. And because we had a very, very tight workflow um, and very, very specific naming conventions and where you save files and how you work. Um, so then that whole, because we spoke the same design language, it was very um, easy to, I don't know, I shouldn't say it was easy. It was easier to be able to complete things quickly and efficiently. Wow, that's impressive because then, I don't know, it's just like when you have a team like that that can work in sync that well with each other, like you can do amazing things. Amazing things, amazing things. I mean, it was really exciting. You know, sometimes it would be, uh, you know, a bit stressful and you're under the gun. There, there is a, a, they did have to tape the show in front of a live audience and we had to have all of our graphics in. There are script changes happening up until the last minute. Um, and then, you know, everything's in, everything's done. They shoot the episode and then you all go out and celebrate afterwards. There was a lot of, um, uh, you know, yes, a lot of stress, but also a lot of celebration for what we were able to accomplish. Yeah, and then to win an Emmy on top of that. I was like, wow. Was, I mean, it was not, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was something that we, you know, that um, award is a juried award, which means uh, you apply, you have to put together an application and submit it. And then you're actually informed that you won before the night of the event. So oh. when we were putting together our application, you know, we felt, pretty good about it because it was so different and for the for your listeners who have not seen patriot act it's kind of unlike any other show that's ever been made and that the graphics were really an integral part of the show and about a part of the performance that was done as i said in front of a, a live studio audience um so we knew we had something special we knew it was different we just didn't know you know who are these people that are going to be judging it and, and as it turns out there are uh, it's a whole panel committee of people that work in that industry. So uh, they recognized that it was different. Um, we were informed actually that we won. I remember the day that we were working on an episode. I think we were taping that day. And my creative director came by and he says, don't, don't, you know, don't tell anybody this. And he just showed oh. me his phone with the email and the email was like, congratulations, you just won the Emmy. <laughs> I mean, like oh. inside I'm screaming, but I know like, Let's get this episode in the can and then we can celebrate, you know, tomorrow in a private meeting. I mean, it was just mind blowing. And going to the Emmys was just incredible. I mean, it will be something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. I, I just, you know, that's one of those, you know, awards, like not everybody gets one of those. And if you yeah. do have the honor to get one and it's, it's something that you're juried by, um, I'm sure esteemed colleagues and people who've had extensive experience in that field. So they know when they're picking, they're picking the best of the best. So I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And that leads into my next question. So maybe some of the listeners who are art teachers, they have students who like, I had students, it amazed me, like, mm. like, 
they would ask about like after effects in high school. Ooh. I'm like, oh wow. my goodness. And they were excited because things that you mentioned, the things that you said you were excited about, they're like, this is so cool. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, it's very cool. I don't really know how to get there, but you know, mm -hmm. maybe I can talk to other people who are experts at that. What would you recommend for somebody who's in high school and they see, you know, things that like you've created, other people, colleagues that have created, and they're inspired by that yeah. and they want to pursue motion media. They don't yeah. even know what it's called, but like right. if they did, but like what, what would be some of the steps you would recommend for them to- I mean, for, for high schoolers, for young people, yeah. um, that curiosity, just, just get in there and start making stuff. I mean, you know, you can download, I think a 30 day trial or, of After Effects take some tutorials on YouTube and just start making stuff. And don't worry about if it's good. Don't worry about if it's correct. Just get in there and, and play with, with the application. If you're, you're serious about it, you can you know, get a subscription. It's, um, you know, it's not cheap, but it, it is accessible. And if After Effects, if, if that route, um, if you don't have those resources, I would say use anything that you have access to. If that's a free app on your phone, you know, if it's just like iMovie that, that came with your computer, whatever it is, um, start playing around. And if it's not even motion media specific, you know, start drawing, painting, you know, editing videos, shoot videos on your phone, uh, make fun things, just stay curious, start making things. And I think if, if, if making those things gets you excited enough that you want to take it seriously, then yeah, then later on, think about maybe trying to take some courses or finding some teachers. But uh, th there's never been a better time <laughs> to be able to, to learn on your own, I think, especially for younger people, just because this is the generation that's grown up with a computer and a phone, they don't know any world without those things. Um, there are so many resources out there, resources that just, you know, people like you and myself did not have when we were, when we were younger. So, um, yeah, for high schoolers, stay curious, get out there and just start making things. Well, that's excellent advice. So I was curious, my next question is, um, you've done all these amazing things in your career as a motion designer, and now you're teaching. So mm -hmm. what got you interested in teaching? I've been interested in teaching for, for several years now. And I think the, the main reason was, um, you know, I, I, I uh, achieved a certain amount of success in my career and I, I really enjoyed work, working in motion media. Um, I, I liked the creativity. I, I just loved the people that I worked with. But there was, I was starting to get to a point where I wanted to try to do something else. And it wasn't that I didn't, love motion media anymore. I just wanted to see, well, how can I apply this to other things? And then there was uh, several years where I wanted to get into documentary films. Um, I went back to school for a program at the Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY uh, just to see, well, how else can I take these skills and take this experience and apply it to other things and to other things? I mean, things that maybe perhaps I have more of an interest in and, you know, much of motion media is commercial. That's just the industry. So it's a lot of advertising. And I wanted to maybe apply those things to, to, to other messages that I wanted to share with the world. Um, and then teaching, um, you know, I had some friends that had taught classes at SVA as adjunct professors. I, I had a colleague of mine that was teaching at another one of the city colleges. And um, 
I started looking for opportunities, but uh, for those of you who maybe work in, in higher education, you're aware of this, you know, it's a little bit of a catch 22 when you see a job listing for, oh yeah, professor of, you know, art or animation. And it says under the requirements, uh, previous teaching experience. <laughs> so it's like, how do I get a job teaching college if they require experience teaching college? You know, it's like this, this circle that I couldn't get my foot in the door. Um, and the other thing is that they would require um, an advanced degree. So like an MFA, Master of Fine Arts. And most of the people working in the industry, that's not the route you take. You know, perhaps you have an undergraduate degree or maybe you're self-taught, but very, very few people working in the motion media design field will have a master's. It's just not, it's just not typical. So because of those two things, most teaching opportunities were inaccessible to me. And then it just so happened that I saw a listing um, that uh, where the school said, well, these are things that we would like to have, but they were not required. So because they were not required, I'm like, I'm going to apply to this job and, and, and things worked out. Uh, and now here I am. Oh, wow. And you're also very, um skilled in martial arts because uh -huh. uh, I um, read that um, online and I was wondering um, do you feel your martial arts helps inform how you approach your teaching in your classroom? I think yeah in a lot of ways yes actually that was uh, in my uh, cover letter when I applied for this job um, I called that out I said you know even though because I, I wanted to make it clear that I'd had no experience teaching college. And I said, in, and although I have no experience teaching college, I do have many years experience of teaching martial arts. And I, I, I shared why I felt that would help me um, prepare me for teaching at the university level. And I do think so. One, it's, it's the teaching. I've taught uh, uh, regular classes. I've taught seminars in, in martial arts um, of people of all ages and of all skill levels. And I think What's important in teaching, not just in martial mm -hmm. arts, but also motion media, is that you have to meet the students where they are, right? Some students are going to come into motion media and they've been on a computer since, you know, they were nine years old and they've been playing in Photoshop and they, they've been editing videos, like I said, on their phone or, you know, um, for years and years and years. So they've been exposed to those principles and those ideas. And then you have students who, you know, have never used Photoshop before. Uh, before maybe going to college. So they're at a different place. So I think w what I brought with me from martial arts is you have to meet students from where they, where they are. You can't, you know, you kind of have to teach on a curve. Um, everyone's going to be learning uh, at a different pace. Everyone's going to learn in a different way. And each student has their own kind of interest for why they are interested in, in motion media. So I think that that is a, a skill that definitely um, I was able to bring over from my martial arts practice. And then also just this, that's the teaching part, but also the practicing part is that mm -hmm. I think to get good at anything, this is not just for martial arts, but at anything, I think it's really important for people to learn how you learn, which mm -hmm. is kind of this meta thing, you mm -hmm. know, like under what circumstances do you really thrive? Is it a very structured um, teaching and learning situation? Do you like to just kind of play around on your, on your own in your free time? Is that how you learn? Um, do you take a very academic approach? Do you have to read things in a textbook? 
Um, do you like to learn from someone uh, from mentoring? I think those are also important things. And I think once you learn how you learn, you can be, you can start uh, seeing that in your students. Well, how are my students learning? Mm -hmm. And it's not to say, oh, I want them to be just like me. I, 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 they need to be who they are. So you need to figure out what techniques are best for, for them to thrive in an academic setting. Yeah, that's well put. And I, when I noticed you're very generous with your time, like in the classes <laughs> that I took, I was like, oh, it was so generous. Like you were always open to um, having meetings, discussing whether it was even right after the class session or, you know, on Fridays. So I really appreciated um, the time that you would spend and to take the time to explain to me, like some of the things that, you know, other people could grasp very easily. And I was just like, I need it shown in another way because I'm not quite mm -hmm. getting it. So I really yeah. appreciate your patience throughout that time because I learned a lot. I felt like one of the things that I'll always take away is especially in five, uh, the one class that I mm -hmm. really, the, the storyboarding and mm -hmm. how motion media designers think through a scene. Yeah. And I was like, I know I'm going to use that someday. I don't yeah. know when, but I'm going to use that. And I'll, I'll try it on projects just to see um, like, could this take the story in a different um, way and really lend itself to the narrative? So that's something for me that I feel like I have now in my uh, bag of tools, so to speak, mm -hmm. that I can always pull out and try. So thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And it's, it's really nice to hear that someone like yourself who, you know, is not necessarily pursuing a career in motion media design, that you felt like there was value in, in learning about those techniques and tools. That's great. And then I was wondering, was there something, even though you went to school for motion media, what were some of the key things that you learned on the job that you didn't learn in school Oof. that really benefited you in your career? Well, I mean, so much, so much. And as, as much as I'll, I'll say that I really do feel like my education prepared me as best it could. You know, as I said, it was a very small for-profit digital media school, but they, they did have a pretty solid program. Um, and I came out, I felt like I had the kind of the raw skills, but I think the, one of the biggest differences between how you learn in an educational setting and then when you apply it in the real world is that, you know, you learned that there was this structure, you know, and you, step one, step two, step three, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this. And that, it, it, it's good to learn that structure. It's, it's not to say that that structure doesn't have value and that it's not correct. It's just that the reality is when you get into the real working world is that because of the limitations of time and resources and maybe even budget, some of those steps are just gonna be tossed out. You know, you're gonna go from step one to step five and then something changes. You might have to go back to step two and then well, let's scratch you know, step three and step six. We're just gonna jump to nine. Oh, you know, in this case, then we're not even gonna do nine. Let's just do 10. Oh, we're gonna have to do 10 uh, three times because of this other thing. So that whole experience of look, the, the real world is messy. You know, not just in motion media design. The real world is messy, and yes, there are. It's good to know these rules. It's good to know the structure. But I think what's most important is that you learn to be flexible. Mm. You can learn to be flexible and to be able to think and work and solve problems on the fly, 
I think that's one of the the, the biggest things that I learned um, working in the industry. And it was it was there were, it was definitely difficult to learn. You know, um, it's sometimes frustrating. It's sometimes a little bit scary. Sometimes things are moving fast, and and you don't have the answers, um, and you just have to kind of uh, persevere. And, and, and you will learn. And I think it's also important to, to ask questions. I think communication skills are so important in the real world. You should never assume anything. Um, you should never assume that everyone in the room is going to remember every single detail. So take notes, take notes, ask questions. Um, you know, uh, yeah, after, after a meeting, just go through your notes and say, just to make it clear, we, we are going to do this, this, and this. Um, yeah, communication skills and the world is messy. I think those are the, the main things that I, I learned uh, going into the industry. Wow. Well, I think those apply to any industry because yeah. I, I thought yeah. you're at professional practices because I threw a lot of questions I felt like at you about your business. And I was yeah. like, you've run a successful business for over a decade. And I go like, so it's probably very reflexive the way you do things just because you know what's going to work. And I was like, but this applies to somebody like myself who wants to have a freelance illustration career. Sure. And I was like, man, this is amazing advice. I was like, it was all golden. So I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. It was. I was like, yeah, because uh, there's definitely something about running your business, whatever it might be. We don't even know that necessarily has to be an art business, though I think having it be art, it's even more of a correlation, but Anybody mm -hmm. who runs a business, there are certain risks, certain things that are going to happen. And, you for know, sure. yeah. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Yeah, you're that. welcome. Now, with motion media, because this is such a, an exciting field and it's evolving and changing yeah. so yeah. much. I bet you it must go at the speed of light. And you've been in there working professionally for so long. Like, what are, what are the, big evolutions you've seen and where do you think motion media is headed? Wow. I'm not sure where motion media is headed, but okay, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll think about this while I'm answering the first part of the question. I mean, one is just the technology, right? The, 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 the core software, the core applications continue to evolve. There are new tools being developed all the time. Um, and there are new opportunities, new places for motion media to exist. I mean, you know, when I was in school is when the first iPhone was uh, released. That was in 2007. And just that, mobile devices. I mean, mobile, de this is just incre it's incredible what our phones and our tablets can do now. Um, and those are opening up new, yeah, new opportunities to one, to learn motion media to create motion media and also new new platforms and places for people to consume that kind of media. Um, I think there are also things like um, the, uh, uh, you know, 3D work, uh, which, yeah, has also always been a part of motion media design. It has become a larger part because, one, the tools are more accessible. Um, you know, some of those three applications were just, one, too expensive, or two, you needed a computer that was so outrageously powerful to run those applications that it was out of reach for, for many of us. But now those tools, you can run that on your laptop. You, know, you can run that on a laptop that you bought for $1,000. So that's new. And I think also, um, you know, motion media design has always been very interdisciplinary, meaning you know, we, we borrow techniques and work with people who come from backgrounds like 
character animation and um, uh, experimental art and video editing and things like that. But it's even become those those lines seem to be blurring. They were you know slightly blurred before, but now it's just very very blurry. Big shades of gray separating black and white, and I think that's really really interesting about motion media design. Like, what is motion media design? Well, it kind of now can almost be anything, depending on on how you look at it. And then I think for the future of motion media design, I mean, as I said, like new platforms, well, augmented reality, virtual reality, immersive reality, I think that's a big one. You know, we've seen that grow. It, it's still, I've, I still feel like it hasn't fulfilled the promise, you know, like even like five years ago, people were like, AR, VR is going to be the next big thing. Everyone's going to have a headset. Every, everything's going to be virtual. And it, it hasn't happened yet. I, I think it will get there. Mm -hmm. And I think once it does, that those are going to be some interesting opportunities. I think also, you know, when I, when I said before, oh, motion media is like anything on a screen. But what is a screen now? I, I think some of you may have seen this like at the opening ceremonies for the Olympics. They're creating like, almost like a digital video wall out of drones, you know? So each drone has like LEDs on it and they're all programmed to move in a formation. It's like, well, is that robotics? Is that pixel <laughs> art? Or well, is that motion media design? You know, like it, depending on how you look at it, it could be any of those things or all of those things at the same time. So I think, yeah, drones and lasers and, and headsets, that's just gonna become one big, fuzzy, blurry world of creative arts. I don't know. And yeah. motion media design will be a part of it. So I, I think it's all very, very exciting. And, and it will continue, as you said, uh, to evolve and change as new tools and opportunities arise. I think it's a really, really exciting time to be in the industry. Oh, well, cool. Well, it'll be interesting to see even in three to five years where it goes. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So with all the things that you're doing, how do you manage um, any kind of work-life balance or is there none? Mm. I mean, any tips? Um, yeah. I, so, you know, when I started, when I went back to school, one, I knew I had to fully commit to it. I was like, uh -huh. this, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for real. I was 30, actually 31 years old when I went back to school. Like this, is, I'm not going to waste this. You know, I, I think maybe the first time I'm around going to college, you know, you kind of slack off. And of course you're a young person going off to college and, and you're trying to find yourself. I was like, no, I'm 31. I need to really focus. So uh, I'm a big believer in like, you, you can't try to do everything at the same time. It's just impossible, mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to learn something new. So when I was going back to school, I, I quit martial arts. And I told my, my, my Sifu, my, my teacher, I said, you know, I have to take a break from this. And I was helping teach some of her classes. So I said, unfortunately, I have to remove myself as assistant and instructor. And she fully understood. But I, I knew I had to make space, right? Mm -hmm. There's only, you know, a cup can only fill up with so much water. If it's already filled with water, you try to pour more water and it just overflows. So I had to remove, mm -hmm. I had to make space. So that was important. And then once I started my career, I was 100% invested in my career. And of course, you have to, you know, uh, see your friends a little bit less. And some of those things that you would like to do on weekends or maybe even weeknights, you have to, you know, say no to that temporarily, mm -hmm. temporarily. And then once 
I felt like I had my career established or, or somewhat established. Then I slowly allowed myself to go out and, and, and um, reconnect with those friends and then reconnect with hobbies. Once I moved to New York, I actually got back into martial arts and because I felt like I had a grasp on, on where I was going. And then once I gained a certain level of proficiency and a stability, then I was able to balance those things out. But I also think it's very, very important to, to create boundaries with your work. You know, it's so common, especially if you're freelancing, to just allow yourself to work until whenever, right? I'm at home and my computer's over there. I'll just keep working. I would have very specific start and end times. Um, I also made it a point, um, you know, martial arts was important to me. I had classes at a specific time and place. And before uh, a client or studio would book me for a project, I would let them know up front, hey, look, on these days, I have to have a hard out. Hard out meaning at 6 p.m., I stop working. With, you know, of course, with some flexibility, if there's an emergency or a deadline, of course, uh, I'll, I'm willing to stay. But you have to treat it... You, you have to respect those parts of your life. And, you know, I'm single, I have no children. You know, same thing if you're a parent. I have to go pick up my kid at this time. I, I can't come into work before nine because I take my child to, to school and that's important. If, uh, if you have elements in your life that you think are really, really important to you for your sanity and for your physical health and for your emotional health, you need to create those very hard boundaries to make sure that you can fit all of that in. If you don't, then yeah, work is going to consume you. And, um, and I, I think finding some sort of a life balance is, is extremely important to all of us. You know, yeah, you should work hard and have aspirations and know when you need to really, really put in the time and effort. And you also have to take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, your friends and your family, and, and make sure you, you make time for those things. Excellent advice. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's hard. It's, you really have to put your foot down and say, this is it. This is the line that I'm drawing and, and stick to it. Now, my um, next question is about if you could go back in time to your younger self, oh. what would be some advice you would give to yourself about your art career? If I could go back to my high school self, I would just tell myself, you can do this. You're going to find a way, um, have faith in yourself, um, and just be persistent. You know, when I, when I, one, one of the main reasons I kind of gave up pursuing art or design when I was uh, a graduating high school senior is because I didn't have any role models. Like, I didn't know what it meant to have a creative career. I, I wanted to be, at that time, I would say, I wanted to be an artist. I love, as I said, I love mm -hmm. photography. I worked on yearbook. I did silk screening. I, I oh. did drawing and painting. I, I wanted to be a, a comic book illustrator. Oh. But then when I looked into that as like a job, it just seemed like kind of grueling and, and, mm. and didn't pay very well. And then I'm like, well, then what other creative careers are there? What do I paint? And then what do you sell your paintings in like a gallery? Like I didn't understand what that meant. And so because I, I saw so few career opportunities, I kind of just shrugged and it was like, well, I guess I'm not going to do it. I also didn't feel like I was very good. And, you know, I wasn't very good because I was a high school student. I hadn't, I hadn't been trained. I hadn't been exposed to all these things. So 
if I could just go back and say, look, man, you're, you can do it if you, put, if you put your mind to it and you just need to find mentors. God, I wish I had a mentor. You know, it would have meant, it would have changed my life if, if somebody who worked in some sort of creative field had just shown me, hey, come to my studio. This is what it's all about. This is what you do day to day. And these are the steps I took. This is what I learned in school. Um, but, you know, I, I just didn't have that. And I had no understanding of what those opportunities were. And, you know, now that I'm older, I look back and I, I think, boy, there were so many jobs out there that mm. are creative and you just don't know that they exist. You have no idea um, of, of probably like 99% of the jobs out there are things you just don't even know exist. And there were so many other pathways um, that existed at the time. Um, and that, that, that grew in the future that kind of became invented. You know, when I went to college, that's when I got my first email address. I remember when my friend Ben told me, Hey, there's this thing called the web. You should get on it. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? And, you know, if I, I graduated college in 97, if I had studied graphic design, I could have slid in to be a web designer for like web 1.0. I mean, think of the amazing things that could have happened, <laughs> but because I was young, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't, uh, I, I have, I had no faith or confidence in my abilities uh, when I was younger. Well, you were meant to be an amazing motion media designer. I think it's like, there's always <laughs> a reason for everything. And yeah. like, I don't know, it's like that right time, that mindset and where you want to be at. And they go, all that life experience that you put into your work as a motion media designer. Cause I think you showed something and I go like, that's so true. Like the, all the other life experiences you have come into your work. And I think it makes For it sure. so much stronger and more personal. And yeah. I don't, I don't care what art field you're doing. That's just what I feel like is important besides the work itself, all those other things, your martial arts, all the experiences, the music you listen to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they find its way into there. I always yeah. think it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I think it makes you a more of a well-rounded well artist, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. So, oh, uh, my last question um, is, uh, where can we see your work or learn more about your work? Sure, um, yeah, I, ha I have a website for my, my design work. It's invibe.com, it's I-N-V-I-B-E.com. Um, I also, I'm on Behance and Vimeo, and although I haven't been updating any of those sites much recently, um, I do hope maybe to spend a little bit of time over the summer to, to share some of the work that I did, especially during the pandemic. There were just some projects I worked on that I didn't really promote very heavily. Um, I'd like to do maybe a little bit of behind the scenes work from Patriot Act, because that, that's a project that one, I think is unique, and two, it is something that people ask me a lot about and it was so unique. I think it would be interesting to share how a project like that uh, comes to be. But uh, yeah, and then if anybody's interested in my martial arts, you can go to brandonsugiyama.com, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-U-G-I-Y-A-M-A.com. And there's a little bit of uh, information and some photos and videos there. Well, thank you so much for your time today and your you know, sharing your expertise. Um, I hope you have a wonderful summer <laughs> and uh, good luck with everything. And I look forward to um, sharing all this information in the description box as well. So people can click the link and check it out. Great. So uh, 
All right, guys. Thank you for listening to My Creative Life. Bye.